Hi, my name's Alyssa. And my name's Melissa. Welcome back to the Deliverability Defined Podcast. Each week, we'll be diving deep into a topic and giving you practical advice to improve your email deliverability. In other words, we'll help you reach the inbox of your subscribers and stay out of their spam folders, leading to more success in your email marketing. Deliverability can be complex, but we're here to define it. Melissa, how are you doing? I'm pretty good. How are you? I'm good. Just had some avocado toast. So, you know, that was delicious. <laughs> I'm going on vacation next week, which with a baby, honestly, like I'm dreading it. <laughs> uh, yeah, a vacation isn't the same anymore. Yeah. And being on an airplane for almost four hours with a very, very, very active baby I'm a little bit scared. Yeah. He does not sit still ever, but he's going to have to. And he's very loud if he's unhappy. So <laughs> I'm just like, oh, I'm kind of dreading it. I'm sorry. It's okay. I mean, it'll be good to see family, but that's kind of – I actually haven't given it much thought because I'm just kind of avoiding it and so yeah. busy at work. But uh, yeah. that's going to be really fun. <laughs> well, hopefully it'll be nice to change the scenery and – yeah. I don't know. Maybe it'll go better than you expect. That's what Thomas keeps telling me, but yeah, I don't know. I think he's being optimistic. <laughs> I feel like I can't say anything because I don't have kids, but just I think just like with anything, just try to keep an open mind Yeah, because you don't want to set yourself up to have like the worst expectation and then, I don't know, self-fulfilling prophecy, like at least for me, is a real thing. So, so true. It's hard. Yeah. No denying it. I bought like 20 toys on Amazon that he's never seen before. <laughs> yeah, that's great. To try and distract him. Yeah. So that's really what I'm hoping will help. Yeah. Well, we'll have to have an update on the next episode okay. to like know how it went. So <sighs> what's going on with you? Not much. Just deep into wedding planning. And I'm also going on vacation soon, which I'm really excited about. I This actually hasn't been a bad spring in Washington. It's been a bad spring for a lot of people all over the country. So I'm feeling pretty lucky that it hasn't been terrible here this spring. So I'm excited for more sunshine. It's actually been sunny the last few days, but I'm ready for like warm beach weather. So I'm excited about that. Oh, I'm so excited for you. It'll be amazing. Yeah. Cool. Well, I guess we can hop into today's topic, which I feel like you're going to lead The call for us on this one, which I'm really excited about because you have been in so many calls with customers who are switching ESPs. Mm -hmm. Most of them, I think, end up using ConvertKit or they've Mm -hmm. already joined ConvertKit and they need help getting started or they're shopping around and you're in those conversations. So I'm excited for you to tell us like, how are those conversations going Mm -hmm. and what are the common themes? What do people really need help with and what can we learn from those conversations? Yeah, definitely. So whole episode is going to be what to do if you're looking to move to a new ESP. So that could be anything from like, what is your kind of role as a consumer? And how do you look for a new ESP? And also, what things should you ask of your new ESP that you're looking into to get kind of some answers from them and hold them accountable for what they can do for you? So it kind of goes both ways. Honestly, it kind of feels like an interview process a lot of time on both sides, which is kind of nice because it sort of takes the pressure off of like, you solely having to make a decision as a consumer, which can be super overwhelming in today's 
environment. So I just wanted to start off by what things initially, like let's just say you want to move to a new ESP for a variety of reasons. It could be anything from deliverability issues. It could be support. It could be like a small, very technical aspect that's just not serving your business. There's so many different reasons people leave and move to a new ESP because almost all of them, you know, they don't have everything. There's something good about each one normally and what works for one business may not work for another. So I would say first thing, do your shopping, go out there, Google, look at reviews, find creators who are using ESPs, ask them their opinion, do your shopping, and also sign up for a free trial. If they have a free trial, I highly recommend signing up. Go into the platform. What works for one person is not going to work for someone else, even just based on like the user experience. So Go in, get a feel for how those ESPs look, look at um, reporting, look at automations, just how is this ESP going to serve your business? And then the last thing I would say as you're kind of working through this process would be to write a list of goals that you're trying to accomplish. So if you have a pain point at an ESP, how is the new ESP going to eliminate that pain point? And on top of that, what other things are super important to you? And will that ESP be able to fulfill those other wish list items? And maybe they're not even a wish list. Maybe there are things that are essential for your business. So I think those are all really important to think about. Write those down. So when you go talk to ESPs, or if you have a conversation with someone in sales, you can ask those questions. And you're not just being sold what they want you to hear, which we do sales calls. So <laughs> I, I feel like I can say that. But yeah, so I think those are a few good places to start when you're looking for a new ESP. Yeah, that's so helpful. I really love your last point. And I think that that's really good when going into the shopping situation because from my perspective, what I've seen a lot of customers do is they have some issue, you know, there's something that's happening where they're not super happy. Maybe their list isn't growing as fast as they'd like it to, or they're not making as much money Mm -hmm. as they would like to as a creator. And I think it's easy to kind of like tool hop and Mm -hmm. look for that as a magic thing to help you get to where you want to be. And a lot of ESPs, they know that. Mm -hmm. They know that's how you're feeling. And so they want to market themselves as the ESP that's going to change everything for you. Solve X problem. (laughs) Yeah. And as people that work at an ESP, like again, we can say that is a tactic some people use. I don't think ConvertKit uses it as much as some of the others. But yeah, it's important to note like for the problem you're having, is it something that switching to a new ESP can actually help with? Mm -hmm. Or are you just sort of beating around the bush on whatever the actual root issue is that is something an ESP can't help with? Or maybe it's something an ESP can help with. Mm -hmm. So you want to make sure you're picking the right one and you're not getting swept away by the marketing of some ESPs that is really great marketing and they're selling you on the dream. Mm -hmm. But then once you actually get into the product and start using it, it's not getting it what you needed it to do. Yeah, definitely. I mean, there's so many things I could go into on this. I feel like (laughs) I do see it a lot. A quick example that I have is I had a, a call the other day with a customer and I could tell that this person was just very overwhelmed by everything. I don't know if they had had a product tour before of ConvertKit. But as I started asking more questions, I slowly started realizing that like, okay, I think I need to backtrack a little and not just show them everything in ConvertKit. Instead, I'm going to sit here and ask like, what are your goals? Like, what do you hope this move will achieve for you so that I can show you those features in ConvertKit and not overwhelm you with 
too much information. It started off as a deliverability call and it ended up turning into more of like a product tour, which is totally fine. And I love doing that for people when I can. But I just think seeing that made me want to do like a workshop with them and be like, okay, let me help you find out like what your goals are. Because I think if you come into a new ESP, there's already a huge learning curve. Like learning a new software is very overwhelming for most people, especially when you're a team of one or a team of two and you're managing all the other things in your business. So I think it's really important to, I feel like I'm harping on it, but sit down and just figure out like the most important things. If it's driving traffic to your website, if it's selling your cookbook, if it's the ability to automate sales funnels, if it's the ability to segment, tag, and identify your really engaged subscribers. Like there is such a long list of items that I think if you used all of them, great. But if you only had to pick one or two, I think those are the important aspects of the decision-making process of picking a new ESP. Yeah, that's so good. And everyone has such different goals and everyone needs a different solution. So I know it can be tempting to see like, what's everyone talking about on Twitter? Mm -hmm. What's everyone recommending? What are my friends using? That's like, you know, social buying is a lot of how we all make decisions. But when it comes to your email service provider, take a good look at what your needs are, Mm -hmm. what your current challenges are, and make sure to pick the ESP that's going to work well for you, even if, you know, it might feel like the cool thing to do to go join ESP XYZ. Right. That's such a good point. I mean, (laughs) pre-working at ConvertKit, which I've been here for a while now, I would have said like all bloggers are like the same, just from like a subscriber point of view who has like no concept of what it takes to own an online business. I would have never had any idea like how unique every single person's situation is. That's been a really big eye opener working at ConvertKit is just kind of learning. You could be in the same exact space as another creator. You could be a food blogger and your needs at an ESP are completely different than someone else who is in the same exact space as you. So I think that's a super good point. Agreed. But one thing that everyone has in common if you're using email marketing is deliverability. So, you know, and that's why we're here. Yes. So I'd love to hear your perspective when you're on these calls. And I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, like, how do I know if an ESP has good deliverability? How do I know which ESP is going to give me the best deliverability? So how do you answer questions like that? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think there's a couple things that come to mind from like my perspective. The first is transparency. I say this in the nicest way possible. If you go to an ESP and they promise you the world on a silver platter, they're not telling you the truth. And that's just like the truth of deliverability. If you've been with us through this whole podcast, you know that it's a very like symbiotic relationship between senders and the ESP itself. So there isn't one tool or one ESP who can make your open rates 100% and make sure that every customer is buying. Like that's just not realistic. And if you've listened to our podcasts, episodes, you know that already. So I don't have to explain why that is. But that's just I think that's a big part of why we started this podcast in general was like to create transparency around deliverability and to make this knowledge accessible. And so I would say if you have questions that are very specific to your own deliverability issues, and you go to an ESP, and you don't feel like you're getting the answers that you need or want, or the clarification that helps explain why something might be happening, I would say take a step back and just think about those things. If you're not feeling comfortable and you're not feeling supported 
that's definitely a big deal, in my opinion. Like, I'm thinking just from, like, how I would want to feel treated as a sender making a big decision, like, moving to a new ESP. So promises, and that I think that goes for anything in sales, right? Like, any consumer decision, if you're being made a promise that feels a little bit out of touch with reality, that would be a red flag for me. So I think transparency is huge. Finding out how other senders are doing at that ESP, like, does the ESP share that kind of information? Do they share open rates? Do they share delivery rates? Like, those are some aspects of deliverability data points that that ESPs could share if they wanted to. So asking questions about setup, like, are you sending on a, on a dedicated IP or a shared IP? You know, the likelihood of one or the other is usually a shared IP, but like, will they share that information with you? And how does that make you feel through the process? Does that kind of answer it? Yeah, it made me think of something I don't think I've thought of before. So thank you. (laughs) It like generated some good ideas of ways to like express. I think the difference of different deliverability teams at different ESPs, and maybe you can figure out how the deliverability is at the ESP you're looking at based on this. So it seems like there are maybe three categories. This is going to sound really biased and it probably is. (laughs) So I'm sorry. One category is like an ESP with a really great, like a, a large deliverability and compliance team doing a lot of work in the background, but they are keeping everything locked up like in a vault and mm-hmm. can't talk to those deliverability experts. They are in the background and that company might have like good blog posts and things you can read, but you're not going to get a lot of custom support. Mm-hmm. And you're also not going to find any information about their deliverability. I feel like that's like category A. So they know what they're doing, but they're not very transparent about everything that's going on. And you're not going to get to talk to them. Category B is a lot of the new ESPs that are popping up. They don't have a deliverability and compliance team. They are figuring it out as they go, sharing what they know, probably, Uh, you know, writing some Twitter threads about deliverability, working with contractors, Mm -hmm. but they don't have a deliverability team in-house. So if they were to run into a big issue, it would probably not go very well. And then category three is where ConvertKit (laughs) fits in. I don't know who else fits in there. Surely we're not the only ones. Yeah. But I can say that ConvertKit fits into this category, which is like, we have a team of deliverability and compliance experts, including engineers who are working around the clock, doing a lot of background work. But also, a lot of you people listening to the podcast have like talked to Melissa in a deliverability ticket, mm-hmm. which is amazing. We're, you know, talking to customers, emailing with customers. You're getting custom support. And we're sharing our numbers every month. So I would try and find an ESP, even if it's not ConvertKit, but someone who fits into that last category, which is mm-hmm. they know what they're doing. They have the team of experts, but they're also like sharing out the data on how their deliverability is and they're willing to help me personally Mm -hmm. with some custom help instead of just like sending you blog posts that apply to everyone. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah, I think this is like one of those times where I feel like I can say almost anything and be real because it is a huge decision. Like I do not take that lightly when I'm on a call with someone who's trying to make the decision about whether they should switch to ConvertKit or not. I always say even if you don't switch to ConvertKit and you just need a deliverability question answered, like feel free to reach out to me because it impacts your entire business to switch to a new ESP. So when I say like, 
any of these things about what you should look for. I'm not saying it like, obviously, I'm biased. I don't feel like I need to say that. (laughs) But (laughs) I'm genuinely trying to say like, don't feel pressured by a, a sales call or like you said, you know, shopping through other creators that you know, like, I think it's a very big decision that is, uh, yeah, it impacts your business. So I want to be as like transparent as, as possible for this episode, because I hope that it helps people make that feel like an easier decision, yeah. even though it's a big one. I would love to hear from you about like the process. So let's say someone has decided to move ESPs. Mm-hmm. What does that look like? Can someone just send to their full list day one that they switch to their new ESP or is there a process? So interesting too. I also, to be totally honest, would have said like, there's got to be some kind of a general format we can follow when it comes to helping people migrate to ConvertKit. But every single sender is so unique that I like to take my time looking through their data, asking questions, like making sure that they have like a customized plan for them when they move over to ConvertKit because I don't feel comfortable giving someone just like a general, you know, if you have this many subscribers, then maybe you should have a warm-up plan. But without actually like diving in and saying, okay, let's say you send daily emails. Like that is like the structure of your business is to send a daily email. Your situation is going to look so much different than someone else who sends a monthly newsletter. Like volume, obviously drastically different. Even if you had the same size list, we have to adjust based on how you send initially. I'm trying to think of like a better, more concise answer for this because I feel like there's so many different routes it can go. But essentially what I do when someone comes over to ConvertKit is I ask, how many emails do you send a week? Or what's your cadence? You know, I check how many subscribers they have. If they have over 50,000 subscribers, I like to kind of help them lay out a warm-up plan so that they don't just start sending through ConvertKit and have deliverability issues. If you start sending to your entire list through a new ESP, you can damage your domain reputation right off the bat. And essentially, anytime you move to a new ESP, you're starting over. You're completely starting over your sender reputation. Big changes like that can and will affect your deliverability if they're not done properly. I also tell everyone that comes over to ConvertKit who decides to make the move that I always go in the more conservative direction when it comes to sending because I would rather have you see like a really high rate of success and be like so excited about your open rates than have you damage your reputation and have to work with me on building that back up. So that's kind of, does that help answer a little bit? Yeah, okay, it definitely does. I think one of the toughest things about moving to a new ESP is that Mm -hmm. you potentially do need to ramp up your volume. And that can be a challenging balance to figure out if you're like, Mm -hmm. well, I send out a weekly email. How am I going to only send, you know, to like a small portion of my list this week? Uh, A bunch of people will miss the email. So just another key there when choosing an ESP, make sure that you have someone at that ESP who will walk you through it, who will help you with it. Mm -hmm. Melissa builds out custom ramp up plans for most people who move over to ConvertKit through our migrations team. So that's really important. Again, I hate for this to sound like a sales pitch for ConvertKit, but basically I'm saying either use ConvertKit or find someone else who will do this for you because it's very important. And we've seen it go really poorly if someone does move to an ESP and they just start sending and the ESP didn't tell them what to do Mm -hmm. and all their messages start to go to the spam folder. So Mm -hmm. definitely make sure that 
you have an expert at the ESP who's walking you through a plan on how to mm-hmm. send to your most engaged people first and move over slowly. And that's something that I would say if you're even considering, I know a lot of people also who move ESPs will have like, like, let's just say they've experienced really poor deliverability for a while. And maybe they were on, you know, this sounds so biased. So I'm really sorry. If <laughs> we can't help it. <laughs> but it's just my experience and what I see. But yeah, like people will leave ConvertKit and then they'll come back. And they'll be like, I had a really bad deliverability issue. And again, I'm not blaming this on, um, we all know that deliverability issues can come from a variety of reasons. It can be sender, it can be ESP. Like there's so many things, right? So I'm not blaming other ESPs solely. But somebody will come back to ConvertKit and they'll say, my open rates really dropped at this ESP. I want to come back. And something that you should consider as you're, thinking through your deliverability issues, if that's why you're moving ESPs. Don't wait until it's so bad that you are ready to just like flip the switch. Because I see that a lot with people who come back to ConvertKit. It's a very rushed decision and there's no timeline Mm -hmm. in place. And that causes a lot of stress. So yes, I understand like having a 12% open rate can be really upsetting, especially when you're not getting support. So maybe it's not a deliverability issue related directly to the ESP. But if you're not getting support, it's really hard to not want to just like leave right away. But that's another thing I would say to keep in mind, like set yourself up for success for that ESP. So I'm kind of going out of order for what we had outlined for this podcast. But start thinking about your most engaged subscribers. Who are those people? Can you identify those people? If you can't identify those people, start that now if you can. That is like so important. And so often I see people say, I don't know if I can identify those engaged subscribers. And I'm like, well, that's going to help you a lot if you come over to a new ESP. You want to be able to send to the most engaged portion of your list first. I mean, honestly, I think it's a good rule of thumb, no matter how many subscribers you have to just know that. If you don't, there's probably a lot of other data points you're not looking at. So that would be my first thing, like set yourself up for success there come up with a realistic timeline. What does the move look like? What do you have to do on your end? And what is your ESP willing to help you do on their end? Like find that information out. Mm. Is it possible for you to move all your forms over in a day? If it's not, set a realistic expectation about how and when you can do that. So yeah, that's kind of like my two big things that I see come up a lot. Find out who your most engaged subscribers are. Come up with a realistic timeline before you move. So good. And something you said, I think... I want to like repeat sort of and reframe a little bit just by repeating what you said basically, but you mentioned people coming back to convert Mm -hmm. because they had a deliverability issue somewhere else. So I just want to hit on that and say, don't switch ESPs for a feature or price at the risk of a deliverability Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. So I know it can be tempting if you're like, oh, I really want better reporting or I really want whatever integration. And that's fine. Like if you find an ESP that can do all of it, mm-hmm. the deliverability and the features you need, that's great. But if you are moving to a different ESP and you're like, well, I really like this feature. They're also cheaper. Their deliverability support and setup isn't as great, but I think it's okay. I've never had a problem. Like, yeah, don't do it. <laughs> uh, we've seen that does not go well. If you just move somewhere, because you're like, oh, I really love their editor, mm-hmm. but they don't have a deliverability mm-hmm. team. So make sure to keep that in mind. And then also talking about price, like I've seen a lot of people make their ESP decision based on price, which it makes sense. Like yeah. it's something you're shopping for. 
But also for like pretty much all the senders we work with, most senders we work with, they say their email marketing and newsletters and things like that are the top way that they make money. Mm. And that goes, you know, from musicians to like small businesses to all sorts of creators we work with. So just make sure you're thinking about price in that way. It might be worth it to pay more for a product that is going to get your emails delivered Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, that is the most important thing. Not really like how the emails even look or, you know, that's all important. Right. But the most important thing is that they are reaching the inbox like they should. If they're beautiful and they don't, no one sees it. What's (laughs) the point? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. No one will know they're beautiful. So... Yes. So keep that in mind when thinking about price of ESP. There might be a reason why one ESP is more expensive than the other when it comes to delivery. Yeah, that's a great point. I have a few other things to consider as you're trying to decide if you're going to move ESPs. And one of those other things is find or identify any complex systems that like maybe drive you crazy. I've had multiple conversations with people about this as well. They're like, okay, I have a signup form, but I don't, there wasn't like the ability to do an incentive email the way I wanted to. So I actually send them like, I get like an email and then I have to send them a Dropbox link and like, it's very complicated. And I was like, yeah, I think we can help simplify that for you. And hopefully whatever ESP you do go to can help you do those things. So I would say, write a list. This kind of goes back to like set your goals, but write a list of all the systems that you have in place that just like are not functional for you as a business owner. I know, again, so many people don't have a team to help them make these kinds of decisions. And so the best time to change these systems is when you move ESPs because they may have a tool or they may have an integration that you didn't previously know about or think of. And so if if like the sales team or an account manager or someone can help you make those decisions, you might be able to free up some time doing something that's actually going to benefit your business in a better way. So I would say that's another really big one to consider as you're moving ESPs. Yeah. So, so, so important. I don't even have anything to add. It was so good. (laughs) Well, then I have another thing. (laughs) Yeah, keep going, keep going. So another question I see a lot, and this, I mean, Alyssa, tell me, you've had more experience at other ESPs. So let me know if I don't know something or whatever. But a question that we get a lot specifically when someone comes over is like, a sender will say, what do I need to do to warm up the IP address? That's just a very common question. And to that, I usually say, you don't have to do anything to warm up the IP address because our IP address is already warm. We have people sending on them. That's kind of the great thing about using an ESP in general is that you're not having to manage your own IP address to make sure that it's healthy and reputable and not causing you delivery issues. So you don't have to do anything. What you do have to do is kind of warm up your domain with our IP addresses. So that's just, again, what I was saying kind of in a more technical way. But earlier, when you come over to ConvertKit, Gmail and Yahoo will not recognize that your domain and our IP addresses are sending now together. They'll be like, oh, this is new. This is a change for this domain. They want to see really positive responses to that. So that's why we say send to your most engaged list because those engaged subscribers will look out for your email. They interact with your email and all they're going to do is provide positive responses to that change. And Gmail will say, oh, great, this person's a trusted sender. We're not worried about them at all. And that's the goal. That's the whole goal when moving to a new ESP is to make those steps happen for you as a sender. Yeah, that's so 
So important. And I know for some senders who don't use ConvertKit, you might need to warm up an IP if you are using a dedicated IP right? and you're going to an ESV with a new, a dedicated IP that's new to you. Mm -hmm. So that process will look different depending on which ESP you move to. And some people have moved to ConvertKit and use a dedicated IP. It's Mm -hmm. pretty rare, but if you were to do that, we have an automated IP warming system that's really awesome. I think a lot of ESPs offer that, mm-hmm. but that's another thing to keep in mind if you are someone who needs a dedicated IP because you have so much volume or whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Be sure that you have that conversation with the ESP team and make sure you have a good understanding because oh, IP warming can be a very, very, very painful process depending on how cold the IP is. Yep, that sounds a little, could be a little intimidating if you don't know what you're doing. (laughs) It is a lot. (laughs) I think I've covered almost everything in my little like things to consider list. Do you have anything that you're thinking about? I would love to hear like based on the conversations you've had lately with customers, Mm -hmm. what is the main reason you see that people are wanting to switch ESPs? I would say deliverability is a very large. Yeah probably it's important one of the top reasons um and this again this it doesn't mean that someone switched to you know x esp and all of a sudden like their open rates dropped to zero like i don't see that ever Mm -hmm. but what i do see is the lack of transparency so sometimes like it just is something as small as you have an authentication issue and it's sending all of your emails to spam or they're all bouncing. And that's such a simple fix. And it should take someone very little time to identify that problem. I mean, that's one of my favorite problems to solve because I feel like a magician (laughs) who's just like, oh, I just made all your emails go to the inbox now if you already had a good reputation. So I think deliverability is a big part of that, whether it's support, whether it's information, whether it's just like needing help identifying, maybe it's partially marketing strategy, which like we also help with, you know, if you have a certain size list, we have account managers at ConvertKit that can help like, if you have a question about marketing or strategy, and you're like, I'm not seeing enough clicks at this form, but I'm seeing more at this, like we can kind of like look at the data and say, well, we notice, you know, your button says this, and then the other form, it says this, it's just nice to have someone as a resource to help identify those things. So I would say that's, you know, deliverability is top. Probably another reason would be support, which is kind of going along with what I'm saying right now, that if you don't feel seen and heard as a customer, I mean, I've been there. I have had subscriptions before where I felt so frustrated because I needed something to work a certain way and it didn't. And then when I looked, you know, reached out to support, it was really difficult to get an answer. No one really likes to feel unseen. And then if I had to think of like a third reason, I would say like functionality, you know, Mm -hmm. people have a problem they're trying to solve and ConvertKit solves that problem. So it could be anything from like segmentation, identifying certain kinds of subscriber behavior, you know, those kinds of things where people like really want to niche down to very specific kinds of subscribers in order to help have a better experience for them. So that's one that I feel like we kind of talk about a lot But yeah, those are probably the top three that I can think of. Yeah, that makes total sense. It's always interesting to hear like what Mm -hmm. people are struggling with. I feel like I see a lot of threads on Twitter where people are like, I need a new ASP. Which one Mm -hmm. should I choose? And it's so interesting to read people's responses and hear um, what people are choosing and why they're choosing it. And yeah, I just, I love hearing like the problems creators are having and how they're getting solved. Mm -hmm. But I would just, I guess, sum up our conversation by 
reminding everyone that deliverability should be a really, really, really important factor in Mm -hmm. how you're shopping for an ESP and make sure that you're not sacrificing deliverability for other things that are definitely important, but not as important as deliverability. Yeah, that's a great point. Well, any other thoughts around um, switching ESPs? I don't think so. I just hope everyone feels empowered to go out and shop and do what works for them. And like I said, I think probably if I could give advice about anything, it would be like, just don't don't wait for a problem to get so bad that you feel like you have no other choices. Like that, Mm. that's just like a really bad way to shop in general is to feel like, well, I guess I have to buy a new roof from this company because it's the only one that can get here at this time because I waited forever. (laughs) (laughs) You're speaking from experience. (laughs) I'm not. (laughs) But no, that's truly like, it's just a really bad feeling as a consumer to feel like you have no options. So I think that's probably the most unbiased thing I could say during this whole podcast is just take your time. If there's something that's really bothering you, maybe write out what would solve it. Mm. I think if you do that, it will make the decision so much easier when you decide to move to a new ESP because you'll feel confident that that ESP is going to solve those problems for you. That's so good. So helpful. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. If you all have anything that you really want us to cover, please feel free to email us. I know we both shared our personal email addresses. Yep. Alyssa at convertkid.com. Melissa at convertkid.com. So feel free to email us anytime. It's so fun getting emails from y'all. And we're happy to talk about whatever is helpful for you to hear. Yeah, definitely. Okay. Hope everybody has a great week. See you next week. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Deliverability Defined. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast wherever you're listening. And if you have time, please leave us a review. You can find a resource guide for today's show at convertkit.com slash deliverability, where we outline all of the information you need to know from today's episode. If you have a question or topic you want us to cover, let us know within the ConvertKit community or at convertkit.com slash deliverability. We'll see you next week.